Hmm. Oh, and, now we're live. And no, we're I- live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Episode four with Infinite Bra, Frank Yang. This time on The Nature of Mind. I think we've been talking about the nature of mind for the last uh, 10 years. <laughs> but this one is yes. about the nature of mind, the nature of the mind. <laughs> Frank, I feel like it'll be good for us to just dive right into this. So <laughs> when we approach this question, what is the nature of mind? Mm -hmm. Typically, what immediately confuses people is that they're, they're not, they're no longer looking for a thing. Mm -hmm. And this seems to be the biggest confusion for people is that they're not looking for a thing. So when when you start l- looking at the nature of mind, you immediately become uh, infused into uh, what looks like a big <clears throat> cloud of concepts, thoughts, ideas, your name, your career, your family, um, your ambitions, all of these attributes to your identity basically is what sort of, and these are all like symbols and concepts and stuff like that. And so then now you're already playing with the formless. You're playing with symbols and concepts and identity and ideas. And there's no, it's not like a pen. That's a thing that you can point at. So so many of the of the traditions talk about this especially the buddhist tradition um dzogchen and vajrayana um the nature of mind being an empty cognizance so i would like for frank to reflect to us about sort of where um, I'll speak about this for a moment and we'll see how Frank um, reflects to this. So once you do turn inward and you begin seeing that formlessness, the first sort of uh, way of, of recognizing that formlessness is that it's an, there's, it's an emptiness or like a spaceness to it. Like, like space but yet there's a cognizant quality to it where you have the power to know. So mind Mm -hmm. is both empty space-like and is suffused with awareness, this quality, the power to know, to cognize. So let's have you reflect to us sort of how you see that initial turn towards the nature of mind um, away from things and towards this formless and then seeing it as this sort of this empty cognizance. Yeah. So you have to first distinguish between um, thoughts. So you have to uh, first sort of clarify what we mean by the mind, because that's why I used to use the word mind a lot, but I don't use that anymore. 
ever since like the big bang i stopped using the word mind so much it's because um people get confused because when you say the mind they started thinking about the brain or even thoughts and if you look at thoughts thoughts are not formless even though at the ultimate level everything is formless because form and emptiness are identical but before you become non-dual there is a distinction between uh form and emptiness so thoughts on the sort of quote, relative level are still objects they're still uh forms so when you say mind people before they glimpse this ultimate nature of experience whatever this is everywhere um they're gonna start thinking about the mind uh the personal mind the ego mind the brain they immediately go into their head and they start looking at their thoughts and it gets really confusing because let's just say i've never ever if i'm in the state right now uh the quote-unquote natural state even the natural state that the term is really confusing because people are like oh the natural state i'm in a natural state right now but the natural state before you actually access uh non-dual awareness and the natural the quote-unquote natural state before that uh in the natural state of non-dual awareness is actually uh uh, that's a quantum difference to it. The analogy I like to use is watching the screen versus being in the screen. But anyway, that's another point. Uh, the nature of mind. So uh, if I've never read the definition of mind on a dictionary, and then uh, someone tell me, hey, this is the mind, the, they show me the dictionary and they start explaining what the mind is. Um, I would not think this has anything to do with the mind or the brain at all, because this experience right here, right now, um, I would never for a million years think that it's the product of the brain or the mind. I would think it's the product of, I don't know, I can't really describe it. I wouldn't even say it's the product of God. It's just, there's no words to describe it at all. So that's why empty cognizance is kind of like a pretty good term. Yeah. Um, because it's formless, it's colorless, shapeless, odorless, has no depth, no dimension. No, with it's like space. It's not really exactly like space because space uh, is sort of still something. <laughs> still, is still some form that arises as uh, the manifestation of this quote-unquote empty cognitive. And uh, he has no time. Uh, even infinity, it doesn't really quite describe it either. But I use the word infinity a lot because it's the closest to it in my direct experience because it's boundless. It's completely still. Uh, it's spontaneous. So first we have to do, uh, I think the first thing we have to do is clarify what you mean by the mind. So to avoid confusion of when we talk about this stuff and people look at the, start looking at the thoughts and start examining thoughts because you can't, you can never get to the, the bottom of what the mind, quote unquote mind is by looking at, by using the mind. You can only understand the mind, the nature of mind, by transcending the mind. That's why all those philosophers, um, for like you know decades and uh, centuries, are arguing over the nature of mind and consciousness. But it doesn't seem they seem like they're going in circle in a sense because they're trying to use logic, they're trying to use concept, they're trying to use the mind to understand the mind. They use a logic to understand logic. They use concept to understand concept. And that's never going to work because what you know, Gödel's uh, theory of incompleteness. You know, if you use the system to uh, look at itself, there's always going to be a blind spot. That's why you have to go above the level of whatever system you're in to be able to understand it. And then by this point, the, even the word understanding misses the point because it's not really 
something that you understand because understanding presupposes that there's some kind of like conceptual uh, elements in there. It's more like just no, I think knowing is a better word. Just like a, a comprehending or apprehending. Yep. Yeah, apprehending, like the, uh, the nature of reality, uh, mind. Oh, I'm gonna use all those words interchangeably. Reality, mind, consciousness, awareness, empty consciousness. To me, they're all the same word, or some people like to call it God or love, whatever, but uh, there might be a little too many uh, connotations to those words as well. So um, the way that um, reality or experience, just experience, the way that experience just experiences itself, the way that uh, reality just knows itself, comprehends itself. Yeah, um, perfect. Probably. Uh, a better uh, way to yes. describe what's going on right now. yeah yes okay so there's another way to approach this to be helpful for people is to sort of inquire logically um, how reality is comprehending itself so how does the universe comprehend itself and when you begin going down that line of reasoning, you start recognizing that, okay, so mind in this way that we're describing it is how the universe is comprehending itself. So if we are the unbounded pure potential that we can never come to the end of exploring, and we are eternal in that sense, infinite in that sense, then this universe is a manifestation to explore some of that infinite potential. And the way that we are comprehending the exploration, the play, the dance that this universe is, the song that it is, is through mind all of the complexities from the crazy amounts of planets that are orbiting stars that have evolved life all the way to specifically this planet and the 10 million species that are on it, the geopolitical relations between the US and China, the, the name, all of the different unique name that each one of these pieces of life had ascribed to it. And so now you're beginning to kind of turn, you're turning the fabric of reality on itself to ask about its nature. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so when, when we ask about the nature of mind, we're basically turning the, the fabric of reality on itself. We're rather than being on the stage and just doing the play, now we're wondering, well, what is the point of, like if we took the perspective of the audience watching the play, why is the play happening? And how is the play being comprehended? How is it being understood? And so, so then if it seems like the big switch for people as they undergo this process of understanding, okay, I'm, I'm getting the nature of the universe is comprehended by mind. And then they're like, okay, but now mind is not a thing. Mind is not a pen. It's not a marker. It's not an object. 
Instead, mind is this weird turn inward. And so I just want to clarify quick, because when people turn inward, they typically hit things like thought and name and identity and emotion and belief and uh, experience and all these things. So you said that thought, you, when you get to these advanced levels, you can objectify thought. You can turn it into an object. But, yes, I think for, so. for, but for most people, would you say that the beginning of like being aware of a thought arising is in itself formless, isn't it? When the thought arises in the beginning stages, you can see that as a formless arising, like a cloud appearing. Is that also how you view it? At first, at first, for me, thoughts are quite solidified. When I started first started meditating, I, I wouldn't think of thoughts as formless. Like I would, when I observed thoughts, I they were just like objects to me. Um, when I say objectify, I, I mean just identifying from it. Not that, yeah, yep. it's not that um turn into an object. Well, it is kind of like that, but it's more just like this identify. Yep. You you object just like how you know when you look at some people criticize certain movies for objectifying women. Um. You do those things, you do those bad things to women because you look at women like objects. You look at them as, you know, separate from what you are. That's for me is objectifying. And the whole process of uh, understanding the nature of mind, uh, for me, or at least at the, the more advanced level is to objectify everything, even, you know, even the subject, even awareness, even consciousness, thoughts, feelings, emotions, sight, sound, the whole world. Once you objectify everything in your uh, field of experience, there's no more room for subject. The subject completely vanish. Uh, and when the subject vanish, uh, the object also vanish. Um, and there's no more duality. And that's non-duality. Um, but when you first start, when I first started to meditate, I watched my thoughts. I honestly, I didn't think much of it. I, I, I wasn't analyzing thoughts. As in, you know, are there objects? Are there formulas? Is this the nature of mind? Or there were, I was just like, OK, this is my thoughts. I'm watching it because that's what I do in meditation. Um, so I can't speak for everyone. Um, but the reason why I mentioned thoughts are like objects and they're also forms because there is a difference between this empty cognizance, uh, this empty uh, cognizing, uh, formless, you know, just the pure knowing, the essence of it, and uh, the manifestations. Yes. Ultimately, they're the same because ultimately, the source and appearance are the are manifested and the manifest are one. Uh, but at the midway stage, uh, it's important to make that distinction and how like, okay, thoughts are also just forms. So no different from objects in the, out in the real world. Perfect. Um, so, so let's, let's do this. No. Let's do this again, where we initially, we make the turn from these quote, mm -hmm. physical objects to what is a little bit more formless, which is the thought or an, right, right. or an identity or emotion or belief or experience. And then the next question, as you sort of become observant of those more formless, so you've shifted away from the mm -hmm. physical objects right. towards something that's more formless. Now you're becoming, yeah. you're, be, you're gaining metacognition. So that's another probably very important um, mainstream word for this. I'll put that down as well for people. Okay, so I know what you're talking about now. Um, so yeah, thoughts, uh, whatever it's in the in the in the mind, are a little bit more. I, I wouldn't say I, I would call it less solidified. So, so uh, someone, one of my clients asked me, "What is the point of the spiritual path? Can you describe the spiritual path in one sentence?" And I was like, "You're trying to uh, um, 
make everything you experience less and less solidified. So a pen, an object out there in the real world is very solidified. But when you start looking inward, um, or when you scan the body, at first the body is very solidified, it's an object. But once you start to, to do like Vipassana meditation and you try to you know scan the body, once you start to put awareness on the body, it starts to dissolve. First it was solidified and then it becomes like liquid. That's when you enter the jhanas. And then it becomes like uh, smoke and then air and then finally the empty kangas. But they realize actually they're all the same thing because form and emptiness at one. So you shift back and forth. Um, okay, so, so let's, you look at let, let's keep breaking it down by stages. I see that you're you're going you're you're getting you're spreading the whole spectrum right off of um, each one of the sort of trains of of beautiful expression of yours. So again, so we made we made the shift from the these more physical <laughs> objects right. towards what is more formless, which is a a thought or a symbol or a concept or an emotion or an experience. And so what you're doing is you're gaining metacognition right here, metacognition, because what's what's happening is you're becoming aware of your thinking. And when you become aware of your thinking, you're in a sense, you're gaining some sovereignty. You're gaining will. You're gaining choice. You're gaining awareness from what used to be more scripted style of behaviors to something that in a sense, when you do something as simple as just take a deep inhalation, you feel for a moment, you're like, you gain awareness, you gain a little bit more insight into what is formless, the quality of the power to know versus when you were fixated on a thought or an object. So, okay. So we went from fixated on objects to now fixated on thoughts. So now the thoughts are appearing and disappearing like clouds in this empty space, like skyness that we're talking about here as the, the nature of mind. And so you're gaining metacognition, you're gaining insight into watching as these clouds appear and disappear. And you're not, so now this is the key. Frank, let me know if you feel like this is the key. The word non-fixation. Would you say that that's sort of the key, non-fixation there? So would you say that the key is to not fixate on the appearances within mm. mind and then to recognize mm -hmm. what is the space in mm -hmm. which the appearances appear and disappear? Is that, would you say that's key? Yes, that's exactly the distinction I was making earlier. How uh, when you are in that space watching thoughts, that space is more formless than the thoughts. Thoughts become an object in the space. And the pen becomes an object in the space. Even space itself is arising in that space of non-space or time. Actually, the entire universe, um, for you at least, is... Uh, vibrating out of that space of no space. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
Okay, so great. So Frank just made that further distinction for us. So now where you saw this pen as an object, this marker as an object, you've shifted internally into this kingdom of consciousness, of mind within. And now you're watching from here, you're watching more and more of your thoughts appear and disappear and you're not fixating on them when they appear, and you're recognizing that the, the space, the mind essence in which the thoughts appear and disappear, in which, the, in which the marker appears and disappears in that space-like yes. empty, both empty, so the space-like emptiness of it, but then there's mm -hmm. also this, because when you turn in, you notice it's not a thing. It's right. no thing. It's not a thing. Mm -hmm. If right now- There's not even nothing. <laughs> not even nothing. If you, nothing just, if you just turn your attention on attention itself, you'll notice that whatever mystery or magic that attention or mind is, is not a thing. It's no thing. And so, okay, right. so, so you have that first, and then you have the cognizant quality to it, which means that it has this power to know. Right now, you can go, marker, ah, power to know, marker, or power to know, thought, I love Frank, power to know, I love Frank. So there's a thought, or I love water, another thought, I will drink water, cognizant. And so now you have empty cognizance as this nature of mind. And now you might ask the next question around this, which is might empty cognizance, might this formless power to know, this empty formless power to know, might that be God? Mm -hmm. That would be the next so that's question. So that's a different that's the distinction between whether that the empty space to know uh, is really the nature of reality or is it something that's generated by the brain? Uh, there is no answer to this. Um, I mean, from my direct experience right now, it's not from the brain, but <laughs> I mean, I take the middle way. It's, I mean, brain is part of reality, right? So people are, some people are like, oh, you can never understand the nature of uh, reality because everything is uh, filtered through the brain. Uh, everything's created by the brain, uh, by the brain, but then brain is part of reality. Right, so there, there, there are actually a few schools to think about, a few different ways to think about this. One is like, okay, there is a real world out there, and then the brain models that world. And enlightenment is just how you model the world exactly as it is, quote unquote, as it is, without any filterings. But it's still a model of the world. You can still never really understand or know the world as it is. Some people take that stand, and there are people who think that consciousness or this empty consciousness is the nature of the universe. Uh, is that this, once you understand the mind, you understand the universe because the universe is made up of the mind. And there's people that are kind of in between. Um, they're like, okay, it's both. Uh, they're codependent rising. They're standing in the middle way. Uh, I would say from direct experience, or at least the first time that I glimpsed this you know, emptiness, I was 100% certain this is the nature of the universe. I was like, I've cracked the secret of the universe. I think a lot of people have. A lot of people think that, um, especially the first time they glimpse this thing. Uh, even very pragmatic and scientific teachers, they will go and be like, oh, when I was younger, when I was still in the path, there were moments in my life where I was so certain that um, my, my, my being was completely plugged into the, the, the eye socket 
of reality. <laughs> yeah, and then that also reminds us of things like the <clears throat> we can even we can even pull that up briefly in our in our images. That sort of reminds us of things like like this, where you have I'm an image. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. We have things like share screen. How my hair. Cut my hair, he says. That's great. Okay, <laughs> here, here it is. Here it is. Okay, there it is. Avalokiteshvara. Oh yes, the uh, the cosmic octopus. Exactly. Um, so that, so, that yeah. plays into what Frank's saying right now. It's an important visual for people. I think yeah. a better image is you get rid of the body and there are just the hands and there's just the eyes floating in space. Yes, just the eyes. Uh, <laughs> just the eyes and the hands. The floating <laughs> in space. Yes. Yeah. We should show that picture of uh, the the picture that I sent you of the card. When I when I said that, that sort of illustrated like the the sensations of dependent origination. Do you have that? Of course I do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We should put that up right now because that that's kind of close to that, uh, pretty close to that as well. Um, or later when we talk about dependent origination, I think it's kind of the same, but uh, it's a little different. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so to answer your question, uh, the people who are a lot of Hindu, yeah, that. Well, see the space. You see the space. <laughs> The empty carpets in space. <laughs> okay, so I would just like to help clarify this for people, uh, what Frank and I are, are talking about. So, and Frank, correct me if, if I'm wrong here. So, um, is what you're saying that there is, when we get to this place of recognizing the nature of mind, that there's sort of one way of seeing it, which is that, well, this is it. Like this is God infinitely mm -hmm. fractaling itself as creations and then having this ability, empty cognizant ability to know the creations. And I, then I wouldn't even think it's a fractal at this stage because I, I, I would say, because there, there is no form at all. Fractal still presupposes that there's some kind of form. There's some kind of like breaking down of a, of a bigger form. Um, I would say that, how should I put this? I would say that if, if no one's ever told me anything about like mind, brain or God, uh, I would say this is the universe as it is right now in all levels. It's not, it's not just like a smaller fractal of uh, a bigger God. This is it. Every single being is experiencing exactly this, and this is the full thing. So the direct experience, it does feel like that, yeah. So um, we pulled this up on one of our previous shows, and we'll just pull it up right now as well. Um, so this is where that word um, fractal really hopefully helps. I mean, similar to this to this shirt that that I'm wearing right now. But the general idea would be that in every single one of these potential points of on this big empty tablecloth of, of, of God, you have these eyeballs on all these points. 
And so this is sort of, you know, one of the ways of, of potentially perceiving this is that um, it, it just takes a fractal-like uh, expression. Um, you, you, could, you could say, but even that limits infinity. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because that's a, a, a form there. There's still eyes and still hands. So, yeah. so exactly. So there's infinite amounts of ways to make the power to know. It doesn't have to have hands and eyes. And similarly, it doesn't uh, have to appear like a fractal. So, okay. So now I, I, I want to anchor us back again. So, <clears throat> so now you have one, one way, which is sort of seeing that the empty cognizant nature of mind is one way that infinity expresses itself as the power to know. That's one. And then two is that there's even that is some sort of like restrictive um, way of perceiving what's happening. And it and actually um, the way that this dream uh, universal dream substrate works is potentially even more um a quantum mechanical it's even more like zero point energy uh with these quantum fields and then that that's the way that the comprehension is working the comprehension is working as an entire universal decentralized universalized dream substrate is that right frank that that would be the other way of, of viewing it um i'm a little lost <laughs> okay um uh so it, in one of the options, it's a little bit more like this. Mm -hmm. So in one, one of the options is a little bit more like if we open this one up and then we put it next to this one as the second one, which is more like this. So, and I, I think that these two go a little bit more together than we usually give them credit for. So mm -hmm. this right here. So I feel like these two go together more than they go apart, if that makes sense. So okay. in, one, in one example over here where you see my mouse cursor on Avalokiteshvara, you have all of the heads and all of the hands and all of the eyes that is the mind essence that is comprehending the nature of reality, okay? And then on this example on the right, you have the complete... A particle, subatomic particle decentralization of the substrate that is reality, that is the universe. And so I, I see these two as one rather than as two. But do you see them as, as the, is this what you meant when you said that there's two different ways of perceiving what the, what the nature uh, is? I think what we're talking about earlier is whether or not this empty cognizance is the nature of reality or is the nature of the brain. Are we are we looking at the world through a filter of our senses, or are we really experiencing reality as it is? And I don't know if those pictures have anything to do with that. That I think that's another topic. Okay, let, let okay then. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> let's 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 have what so give me one more time um what you just said because if you were for example if you were to cut my uh head off at the neck like they used to mm -hmm. do you know hundreds of years ago um okay. you would undergo these decapitations and um <clears throat> it would be like you hit the off button on this piece of life right? oh yes yes that's what we're talking about earlier yes exactly good 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 point okay yeah okay so yeah. Okay, so 
um, <clears throat> so what, what we, okay. So let's just, what we may come back to this, but this, th these two are more likely one than they are two. Like um, that there's, yeah. And we, we may get back to that, but let's stay, let's stick with where um, we were just a moment ago, which is that um, <clears throat> all dualities get transcended. And so the duality of physicalism and consciousness gets transcended. Yes. So, yes. yeah. So, so for example, this, this unit is, is dependent on um, the body as the portal for the unit's perception. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. So basically you're talking about whether or not our experience is filtered by this biological organism. Mm. Uh, our perceptions, our cognitions, um, the nature is the nature of mind only limited to this meat suit. If, if someone kills me, would I still experience this empty cognizance? That's what we're talking about. And mm. like I said, uh, when I told my friend like the other day, uh, we we're talking about the same thing. And I was like, if someone was to, again, if I, did, if, you, if I didn't know anything about science or brains or physics or anything like that, or even death or whatever, if someone shoots me in the head, if someone was to threaten me and points a gun at me and be like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to end your Mitsu. I'm going to destroy Mitsu. Basically, I'm going to kill your, uh, your, this entity as Frank Kid. I will for sure tell them I'm gonna, still going to be conscious from direct experience because that's how conscious, how, that's how, that's how from this perspective of non-duality, how uh, how consciousness is really in a sense apart from the body, but it's also the, the body is a manifestation of it. But let's say if I destroy, let's say if I destroy this piece of pillow right here, right now, I would for sure say that even a normal person who doesn't know anything about spirituality and who hasn't had an awakening would tell you, if this piece of uh, pillow gets destroyed, I will still be conscious. Likewise, if someone tells you, hey, Frank, I'm going to destroy your meat suit, I will still tell them I'll be conscious. That's only from the context of direct experience right now. Let's say if I erase all my memories and all my knowledge about the nature of uh, biology, the nature of brain, the nature of physics, the nature of life and death, I will tell them that. I'll tell them to go ahead and destroy my body. If I have this, you know, this infinite consciousness right now, that's what I'll tell them. Because from the direct experience, there is no death. Okay, so this seems to play into a topic that we could potentially call decentralization and universalization. So when you when you shift your identity more and more to this empty cognizance, you begin um, recognizing more and more of yourself as the um, this this infinite emptiness that gives rise to um, endless creation and that you and that's suffused with awareness or this this power to know so when your identity shifts away from your finite physical body towards that which is ineffable and indescribable that powers all of this basically maybe that's why frank is saying what he's saying right now that his identity is now more eternal than it is in his limited frank meat suit is that right frank yes you could say that you could say that yeah. okay so but now I'm, but now i'm, still not, yeah. I'm not making a claim about what the nature of mine is or the nature of reality or the nature of yours i'm just saying direct experience that's why it feels like yes direct experience so, right now that's why it feels like i can't die yes okay so yeah. so for for me um what 
what feels um, more, more accurate is the simultaneity. Because when you talk to mainstream and when you um, chop off the Frank Yang head, um, the simultaneity is that this piece of infinity deactivates while your identity as the source of infinite creation remains. So what, yeah. what you are is this ineffable giving rise to infinity, infinity fucking itself. You're that. You are infinity expressing itself. You are that. I am that. We are all that, whether we know that or not, whether we've recognized it or not, whether we've become a Gnostic being or not. But, but the simultaneity is important where it's like you, for the Frank Yang costume character right now, is a pair of the eyeballs on that Avalokiteshvara. You know, it's a pair of eyeballs. And if you chop off the neck, at the, at the neck, the head, the pair of eyeballs deactivates. Now, now your identity. So do you see the simultaneity where you can describe it as both like this individual? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Because yeah, okay. I know that Nisar, Nisar Gadzata and much of the um, Siddhara Mishwar and just much, much of the Ramana that there's, there's this um, Lao Tzu, there's a lot of, a lot of the mystics, the greatest mystics have went and identified themselves solely as that absolute, solely as that. And therefore, whenever they would, you know, do the things like what you were just describing, that they would say, I know I'm, I'm eternal. You've assumed me to be a body, but I'm not the body. And so the simultaneity, I feel like is really important where we say that I am both that and I am yes. also. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. That that's what we have been going on about uh, the last episodes. Well, how you're we're talking about how you're both a nobody, a, a somebody, and uh, everybody. You know, um, because when you when you only identify with the universalization of everything, uh, in in a sense, you could say that's also a, a one side of the extreme. That's that's also a duality. Oh, I am not the body. I am not the mind. Are you really? You don't have a body, so the heart sutra. The heart sutra gets to the bottom of this pretty well. The heart sutra is "quote unquote" the perfect sutra. It's the sutra that renders all the previous sutra void, right? So it's almost like the, uh, the it's the sutra that makes you really understand how emptiness is also empty, but form is also form. Not just emptiness is form; form is emptiness. So let me just sum up the heart sutra in a really, really easy to understand way. There is no body, there is no mind, there is no consciousness, there's no awareness, there's no free will, there's no self. Yet, at the same time, there is a body, there is a world, there is a mind, there is consciousness, there is awareness, there is a self, there is free will. That's true unity right there. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> That's one of my favorite passages. Yeah. Yep. But that still doesn't explain or answer the question of whether this is the product of uh, brain or not. But I think it, we, we can never know. So, if, but if you take the middle way, it's both. It's both. I mean, the brain can only arrive. It, it, that's it. Let's just say from the relative level, there is a difference between brain and the world. Um, the the brain needs the world to manifest itself too, and vice versa. They both right? need one another exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it's both. It's both and neither.
there there was a phase in my development where I was really locked into that universality of things, uh, of like the Godhead and stuff. And you know, the funny thing is, uh, I, I I think I I the, the the paradox is this: the reason why in my content in the last like couple of months I've been telling people to deconstruct even the background, to deconstruct even consciousness, the God consciousness, to objectify even infinity. Uh, because there is a phase where you're going to be identified with infinity. You're going to be saying, hey, I am that. I am this universe. I am God. But there's still a very subtle sense of identity there that hasn't been dissolved. Because once you dissolve even that, it wouldn't occur to you whether this is a God, God or not, whether yeah. this is infinity or not. You wouldn't even think of those words, right? Yeah, exactly. so the funny thing is, after I deconstruct, quote-unquote, God, that's why I say... Uh, go from from non-awakening to awakening you dissolve the ego but to go from awakening to say enlightenment you dissolve even uh awareness consciousness of god whatever is uh whatever dissolved the ego you dissolve even that you disidentify from even that and after i did that i i sank deeper into the absolute after i deconstructed the absolute after I stopped caring about what is the ultimate, what is the absolute, if I am this universal thing or not, I actually, my day-to-day -day experience uh, became even more, you know, locked into that thing that I deconstructed. That's the same thing as we talked about earlier of how to understand something, you transcend it. The only way to transcend to the next level, whether it's spirituality or anything in life, is to abandon the, uh, the current one. And by abandoning the current one, first, you have to understand it. And then second, you have to exhaust it. You have to exhaust it. And once you exhaust it, it will eventually fall off. But once it falls off, the paradox, again, is you can experience it now even more deeply. Because now you truly understand. When you truly understand it, you absorb it. You don't see it anymore. That's why in Zen, they even tell you to wash away the stink of your awakening. Yeah. Going back dissolve, to the, the, dissolve the yeah. halo. Yeah. Dissolve the halo, you know, transcend your realizations, go beyond even, um, wake up even out of awakening. Yeah. Perfect. So, so okay. Confused. Frank, mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry. Just, well, just that that's, um, that's, I think that's one more step. Let's, uh, let's go, let's go back a little bit and then we'll, we'll also reach that. So now when you're noticing the nature of mind, if you can sort of begin noticing it as something like an empty cognizance. So you may, you may, yeah. And we'll, 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 we'll so I'm glad we'll, you went back to it. Well, well, because we're going to, I feel like we're going to tie that into the universalization right now. I'm glad you went back though. <laughs> so okay, so now if you well, this feels what's this feels like what's most relevant for many of our um, fellow um, family uh, on on uh, here here our our family here um, <clears throat> life reality. So when so when you when you're recognizing the nature of mind as potentially more and more of this empty cognizance, one of the most important questions that I feel like you can ask is if if this if this nature of mind here is empty cognizance is 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 your nature of mind empty cognizance. And so now you begin wondering, well, is the nature of all of our minds empty cognizance? And oh, so, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So now you see, so now I, I feel like this is an important thing to not necessarily um, jump past too quickly, which is that we've went from the individual seeing the object, right? To the individual seeing their thoughts. 
And then we've gotten to the individual seeing their mind essence as an empty cognizance. Okay. And then now the next question to potentially ask is, is that, well, is everyone's mind essence empty cognizance? Okay. Good question. Yeah, that's okay. Cool. Okay. So now we, take, now we take this leap. We become transpersonal. That's another really good word to, to yeah. Um, I would say yes. Uh, just from my direct experience of talking to people, reading accounts of people's awakenings, uh, and just the fact that uh, the experience of empty cognizance is it can't be any other way because it's empty, it has no form. Um, because that, that there's no property to it. If there's no property, it's identical to everyone. Uh, it's homogenous. So, and then there's another question that's sort of related: Is that empty cognizant nature of the mind or of experience? Even though it's the same in every individual uh, experience, is that is that is that still the nature of mind as the brain? As if you try to, is that still a product of the brain, or is that something that's universal? You know what I'm saying? So there's actually like like two two ways to look at this. Okay, if if everyone on the planet gets enlightened and everyone is abiding in that empty consciousness, and everyone's sort of like at, at least in the background at least in the most primordial fundamental way, experiencing experience exactly the same way. No matter where they are, what they're looking at, who they are, what gender they are, what sex they are. They're experiencing reality through that mm. same lens of um, mm. uh, no thing. This is a really relatable way for people to get <clears throat> it. Yeah, yeah so, cool. so okay. that's just presuppose that, that, that's just assume that happens in the next hundred years. Everybody's in that state, but of course, on the road, that's the absolute level. On the relative level, I, I, I'm, I'm still looking at the same different stuff than you are, right? But then I, I, I know for, uh, at the fundamental level that all the different forms that is being manifested. Um, uh, okay, because well, pause, pause for a moment because this is really rich. Okay, so at the fundamental or the ground or the essence level, we can say that the empty cognizance here with Atlas and with Frank is the same, potentially, this is what we're saying is potentially the same. But then what's different is that Frank is in Taiwan and Atlas is in Los Angeles. And so we're getting different expressions right, where expressions. In, in expressions. And so you can see the same yeah. thing with like an expression of a woman or an expression of a man, an expression of somebody that mm -hmm. lives in a certain place versus another place that has some career yeah. versus a different career, no kids versus two kids or whatever. And so these are um, ways that you can potentially begin just supposing well is the essence of mind the nature of mind empty cognizance is the same but the mm -hmm. expression is unique and different yes yes so it's like the screen versus the movie yeah everyone has the same screen because the screen doesn't have a property and there everyone's playing the movie that's a good analogy but then you get some <clears throat> but then with that still uh that that still doesn't answer the question though of whether whether that is uh really the nature of reality or not and i don't think anyone knows the answer to that some people think they do but uh you know what i'm saying so the essence is the same screen yes and, but and then, that's, yeah yeah and then and then the different movies is the expression yeah and so so now what we're doing is we're trying to trace back from these objects to the thoughts to the screen itself the empty cognizant screen itself and say well frank and atlas and all eight billion share the screen sentient life shares a screen you know even 
potentially a, a dog or even a, a fly has a very potentially small screen and they have potentially these small flickering images that are nowhere near our 4k resolution images they have potentially these tiny little more black and white and gray style flickering images that are in maybe 360p or even lower um, resolution i don't even know what's lower than that because um, we don't use that as as humans but much much lower than that okay Screen. That's what I'm. Uh, they, they still have the same screen. Even like dogs and cats have the same screen. Yeah. There you that's go. What I'm, that's what I saying. But 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 is this screen? Is this same screen a, a different individual screen? Let's say different computer has the same screen, or is this one giant computer? And with different like, is it one giant screen or many different screen or both? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Did you did you get a chance to see the this? <clears throat> this jumbotron analogy that mm -hmm. I that I made, um, like this. This is how I how I visualized it. Let's see if I can pull it up. Right here. Uh, oh yeah, it has to go to this side. All right. This. Yes, yeah, so that'll be each individual has their screen, and then but it, but is that one screen also just the one screen? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's yeah infinite jumbotrons, and then on the infinite jumbotrons, which are infinite gods, which are infinite universes. This is a potential, um, a potential way to describe the nature. On each one of these god universe jumbotrons are quadrillions, quintillions of faces, which are all of the sentience in that universe and what they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. So you take the 8 billion perspectives that are on planet Earth and you put them on this jumbotron and then you take the trillions and quadrillions more perspectives from all the other planets in all the other galaxies for all the other sentience. And you also put it on this jumbotron. And then you have the universal jumbotron, the God jumbotron. And so this is a very empty cognizant processing or comprehending. And then that's what's undergoing the process of comprehending infinite possibility is this this the nature of mind undergoing the process of comprehending infinite possibility and this is just one vehicle design that we use and universe is just one reality design that we use out of infinite potential so that's okay so so now we got we got to um the transpersonalization so you get to empty cognizance and you begin transpersonalizing yourself Right. So now most people feel this with most people feel this with empathy is one of their like first gateways into this because they're like, oh, you know, when when Frank suffers, you know, compassion is you suffer along with someone. Right. And so when Frank suffers, what I do is I genuinely, lovingly, caringly get behind his eyes and, and lovingly care and suffer with him. And we grow through that together.
and transcend that together. Mm-hmm. And so most people get these trans, first transpersonal tastes of experience when they begin merging themselves in a sense to perspectives or like a mother typically has a transpersonal experience when she births a child and she, be, she begins to be a lot more selfless and nurturing the child and even the father as well. And so, so now you've sort of shifted yourself into a more transpersonal perspective. That's a really good word to use. And now when you, now I would say what Frank has been talking about the last, especially couple of months where he's talking about the process of taking what you're turning into the ground. So in this case, you've turned the mind into the ground. You've turned consciousness into the ground. You've turned awareness into the ground. Um, Empty cognizance has become your ground. And so now what you want to do is you want to objectify your very ground. And so but when you do things like objectify your ground, you begin more and more decentralizing and universalizing yourself, even outside of this uh, this kingdom of God being consciousness itself. And so now, in a sense, you become more and more of the universe itself. You you take all these pieces that are that you thought were you and you then stored it into your empty cognizant consciousness. And then now you decentralize and universalize even that. Is that approximately how you see it? Yeah, so I was just going to go back to the screen analogy of how, yeah, after you sort of objectify the, uh, even the ground, there's no more screen. There's just manifestations. That's true non-duality. Uh, non because if there's a screen and there's manifestation, if they're different, there's still a very subtle duality. So I guess you could say this is just this, right? It's just this. Um, so another analogy that I like to use is smashing the ground of being or smashing God, the Godhead into a billion infinite pieces and i keep telling people you're not letting you're not excluding the quote-unquote godhead like you can experience the god even more all the previous ages can be not be experienced even more deeply after you decentralize them you just simply take whatever you think is the ground off of the pedestal and you see how even the godhead is dependent on rising even consciousness or awareness is a process of dependent origination is the process of causes and conditions this arises, that arises. This ceases, that ceases. And that's a your moment of moment experience after you penetrated through dependent origination is actually in a, in a quite a different flavor than let's say the one mind, the absolute Godhead perspective. I would say it's a lot more dynamic and co-creative and bouncy and a lot more actual, a lot more visceral. Um, I think they're not. There's another analogy that's a really good one. Before awakening, you're a person walking through the world. Let's say if you're just like taking a walk through the, through the world, you know, I take walks every day. You're a separate being walking through the world. You're moving, the world is not moving. And once you wake up to that, you know, infinity, that Godhead, uh, that the world, it's like you are not, it's, it's almost like you become static. Now you're identified with this infinite Godhead, right? Now when you're walking, it feels like your body is, if you're like the, the new self, the first stage, you're the small self. You're moving through the world. The second stage, you're the big self. The big self never moves because it's eternal, timeless, whatever, right? So when you walk in the world, it feels like you are walking in it. But then there's still a subtle duality there between that which doesn't move and the character moving along with other people. The third stage, after you penetrate through dependent origination, when you walk, it's just the world turning. It's like it's neither in both the previous two stages. Uh, when you walk, it feels like the, the whole universe is turning your legs. It's both. 
and when you're eating, it feels like you know, it just feels like the, the, they call it the Dhamma body. Yeah, they call it the Dhamma body, and I wrote some of this down because uh, I can read a little bit of this, the, the experience of it. Um, so the, the the violin plays itself without the player while writing this. The phone types itself while walking. The whole world is turning your legs. So while lifting, the misu doesn't get tired because the whole world is the body, and every rap feels like every part of the cosmo is working together, doing their best, flexing itself to move the weight. Um, some traditions call this the Dharma body. I call it the cosmic octopus. It's the magical tapestry of this realization is visceral, actual, purely sensual, immediate, rather than conceptual, imaginary, or absolute. Uh, when eating is the universe eating, when shitting is the universe shitting. So it feels like every note in this cosmic symphony from the Big Bang to the Big Crunch is perfectly in tune to make every breath and every sensation precisely the way it is right now. And all interpenetration is in perfect harmony. And turning your head and moving your arm, one can perceive the intention and thoughts preceding the movements arising and vanish all on their own volition, indistinguishable from the form of the clouds and moving with other people, birds flying, wind blowing, sounds of traffic, and cars driving. Would have, should have, could have, would be completely erased from your mental landscape because even the imperfections are perfect. So that's a, a little description of. Um, it feels like every action that it feels like that it feels like every action you take, every thoughts that you have, every decision you make is sort of a total exertion and activity, uh, the interdependency of the whole universe. Yes, it feels like, oh, like yeah. watching Animal Planet. You know, when you watch Animal Planet. You don't think of like a. You don't really think of like like. You, you just see how all animals are codependent, rising, and it's all interconnected, and there's no central agency that's making this happen. Frank, would <laughs> you? Would you? Um, let's let's play. Let's play like this for a moment. Um, okay, we'll go ahead and give you guys these these uh visualizations which should be so that's the the, the the visualization we just brought up earlier that could that could match what we're talking about yeah so okay so yeah for so for just for just a moment um yes. <clears throat> what it seems like is that when you undergo a i'll switch back um for just a moment um, it seems like what happens is that there's a transition from the object to what's more formless, which is watching a thought appear and disappear, and then becoming this subject, which you could say, yeah. which you could say feels more and more like empty cognizance or like this pure awareness, whatnot. Right. Right. And. And so then you question and say, well, is this empty cognizance, the nature of mind, the same for Frank and for all 8 billion of us? Okay, so might this be God? Okay, so now you're there and might God be infinity expressing itself? And so now you begin sort of like deconstructing and that sort of, that leads us to this type of stuff where you begin, you kind of become each one of these uh, subatomic particles of the entire universe. You become the universe itself. You become the fabric or the substrate. Would you say those words? Would you say you become the fabric or the substrate? You become the quantum mechanical flux of the universe itself, Frank. Uh, that, it, it's, um, it's, it's more like, um, it's, it's, 
it's more like you become none of it because there's only the process. There's only the links. There's only the links. Even the ultimately, even the links are empty. But there, there's no thing. There is no solid thing. There's only the process where all the parts are working together to create this thing called the car. Right. So just like every word in the dictionary is dependent on every other word in the okay. dictionary. Okay. And, okay. If if I yeah. yes, if if I may, maybe this will help. Um, is there a is there a in what we're exploring with physics? There's this zero point energy, the absolute lowest energy that a quantum mechanical system can be at. This is what you could say is the nothingness. Okay, and then you have all of these excited states. You have all of this quantum mechanical flux and you have these quantum field theoretic interactions that happen here that then enable the arising of what appears as matter or form or Frank Yang or Atlas and stuff. And so then you have these infinite fireworking that's happening here. So you have this absolute nothing, absolute everything, and you have this empty cognizance as that which is comprehending it. So that might be one way. Frank, how does that resonate, if at all? Um, I would say the, uh, so going back to the stages you were talking about, how before you're looking at a pen and then you become aware of the pen and then you expand even that awareness to the whole universe. Yes. And then you start to break down that awareness and then you start to perceive the world as to this process of dependent arising. Uh, that would go along with the stages of awakening we talked about in the last episode. First, you're identified with the ego, that's the pen. And the second stage, you're identified with the, with, with the consciousness that's in the head. And then the third, uh, the third level, you identify with being God or infinity, being. Um, and the fourth stage, you identify with being nothing. Uh, okay, so non-existence, and that's when you start to break down even the ground of infinite being. And then there's another stage after that where you sort of just it's sort of like the world as it is, the actual world. But then, see, the actual world as it is, you have to distinguish the, the actual world as it is, uh, the natural state uh, or the nature of mind. Uh, there is the, the there is the real quote unquote real world, the world before awakening that you perceive through this limited perspective of the character. Um, and then there is this as uh, the spiritual world. Where it's kind of like the stage of the God, a stage of the infinite consciousness. That's the quote spiritual world. And after you deconstruct even your spiritual identity and the ground of being, or even you know, God consciousness, you reach the actual world. Okay, so so when we're shifting, let's let's pick this up at empty cognizance. So when you're shifting from empty cognizance, you're shifting into what we had up as the decentralized or universalized, let's say. Could we say that that's fair, that we make a shift from empty cognizance into transpersonal and into decentralized, universalized? Well, empty cognizance is, 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 is not, is, 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 it runs through all the stages, I, I would say. You know? I would say so. I would say yeah. so as well. It's just that yeah. I would say so as well. There's just one distinction that seems to be important here, which is that you sometimes there's not necessarily a full um, bathing in what I would say is this um, bottom stage of nothingness down here. I, I don't, I, or emptiness. 
it's it seems like there's maybe a little bit of a taste of the emptiness and then you just go right back to expressing yourself and you don't perpetually mm. bathe in the emptiness which would be bathing in rikpa over and over and over and over and over again to really purify your expression really well and then this is just one way of perceiving it where then you would have this suffusion with awareness as the i amness and then you would have the eternal infinite creation and so um, this is another image that I would just like to see how you feel about this. Do you sometimes feel like it's rather than Frank Yang um, that you feel like it's more like the universe itself? Like your piece of life is more like de so decentralized that it's the universe itself. Yes, exactly. That's why I, um, earlier when I was uh, reading my post, I said when you eat, it's just the universe eating. When you when you walk is the whole universe walking but there is a difference between experience that dynamically as actuality versus sort of just like this this uh immobilized witness um so i guess the the, the difference is between having the the universe just sitting there watching itself through you versus expressing itself in an actual dynamic creative matter in everyday life and that is the difference in zochen be between uh when when you realize rikpa a sort of the static thing versus taking that and then applying to every single moment of your life. And Rick Potts- Samadhi of illumination is the expression of the of the Samadhi of suchness, which is that that Dharmakaya. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the emptiness. Body. Yeah. yeah, we're talking about the Dharma body. And again, the reason why it's called a Dharma body is because it's so like visceral. It's it's almost like, you know how the, the, the okay, let's use the Frank body. The Frank body, every single part in the Frank body is working together to make every single action and every single like, you know, uh, function the way it is, right? It's like a, like a, like a cosmic symphony. Uh, and then like, you know, um, you know, the aesthetic of the bicep can only be codependent rising with, you know, the rest of the muscles, you know, you can't just only have big bicep. Uh, this is the symmetry of it all. It's the working together in this, you know, uh, symphony that gives rise to every single little particle in the body the way exactly the way it is. Um, so this interdependency, this interconnectedness, this interpenetration, the expression of that after you penetrate through dependent origination is a different flavor than, say, the, the one mind or the I amness or the, the perceiving the world through Brahman, that there is a, a very subtle or maybe even a very big difference in how you say that. Life. Say that one more time. Say that sentence again. I feel like that's an important sentence. Say that again. Um, well, your moment-to-moment -moment experience uh, after having penetrated dependent origination, and I must emphasize, you you can you can't truly penetrate dependent origination and experience it uh, beyond just concept. You can't you can't experience it directly unless you've penetrated through all the stages before, unless you have realized no self, both the no self and the small s. The ego and no self the big ass because because if you're still standing on the ground of the big self of the brahman you can't really you can't really perceive the interdependency because they still perceive the world through this you know eternal thing and everything's happening in it right and are you yeah. are you trying to say that also the screen is also dependent on the movie that it's projecting yes exactly what i'm saying the consciousness awareness is is dependent on the objects perception is dependent on objects without the object there won't be perception without perception there won't be mind without mind there won't be consciousness so on and on and on and yes yes so everything is codependent arising through okay. causes conditionings okay. right so 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 then so then <clears throat> the screen that we 
we're talking about being potentially the same across all 8 billion humans, the empty cognizant mind, is not a ground. It's not something, quote, final, but rather when you decentralize or universalize even that, there's the recognition that the, that the empty cognizance is dependent on the entire universe and every subatomic particle and the whole movie that's at play for you right now. Right, 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 okay. right. Exactly. So, um, so you can say even that there's no such thing as permanent consciousness. There's no such thing as the screen from that perspective. There's just a movie. There, there's only reflections, right? And, um, and reflections, I guess you could say there is only infinite potentiality. There's only infinite potentiality. Right. There's only yeah. manifestation. There's only the mirror. Sorry, no, there is no mirror. There's only the reflections. Right. So uh, yeah. So so so, I think, so so it's only infinite fireworks. You could yeah you could that, you could say that that there's no not even the sky there I, I not there's, even there's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's no background to anything. No background. There's not a background. Infinite fireworks, yes, but we're yes. not with the seer watching them. You yes. are the infinite fireworks. Yes, right. yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, it's, it's it's more like it's it's more like the infinite firework. It's not yours or mine. It's the co-arising of all the different parts. So that's where you get. So really infinity co-arises as eternal fireworks. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, you can say the infinite potentiality. What is the infinite potential other than? The manifestation of codependent rising, right? So there won't be this thing called the infinite potentiality without the parts. So the parts is the whole and vice versa. The parts is always dependent on the whole, and the whole is also dependent on the parts, right? So that also sort of explain and answer some of the question we had earlier: Is this really the nature of reality, or is this just the product of our individual minds? It's codependent. They're codependent rising. They're both arise through the causes and conditions of. Um, all the different links and the different nodes of the universe. So is it like this? Infinite potentiality manifests as codependent arising fireworks. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Wow. You or you could just just say that reality. I, I guess you could. We, we could bring this to the, the the problem of free will. The universe is not predetermined. Neither is it totally random. The universe is a process of co-creation. That, that's the simplest way to put it. It's neither a predetermined, like God just sitting there determining anything, or it's neither just random. It's neither just all oh, just, you know, I can do whatever I want. It's all random. There's no meaning at all. So you, you sort of find the middle way between eternalism and the absolutism of like Brahman or the, the Hinduism of like Christianity and versus the nihilism or even the emptiness of Buddhism or oh, there's just no self. So you find the middle way and transcend both sides of those dualities. Um, this might also be a good time to read your free will post as well. Oh yeah, we can talk about free will. I think that's all related. Yeah, all related. maybe maybe I, actually give give it a moment. Just give it a quick moment. Let's sink in this first a little bit deeper, and then we'll and we'll, then we'll get yeah, there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because can, you, can, you just you, you just brought it up, and it was really salient. But I'd like to potentially stay with this just another moment. Sure. So. <clears throat> <clears throat> okay, <clears throat> so we have an ineffable, which is pure potentiality, infinite potentiality, something that's unbounded, something that you'll never come to the end of exploring. Right. Right. So right, this right, is right, sort right, of like exactly. this, this is sort of the first principle, you could say. 
the first principle, logically speaking, if you were to create an axiomatic mathematical proof style science breakdown, you would say that you have to assume that there's pure potentiality, infinite boundless potential. And that's potentially what we are. So then you have to start with that as, as an assumption, which is directly experienced by many mystics as the nature of reality. Okay. So <clears throat> including myself and Frank and many people that awaken come to this realization. Okay. So then now, now we're breaking this down axiomatically proof-based science math for people. So now you start with this pure potentiality that's boundless infinite. And then the, uh, the next sort of step is that there's a manifestation mechanism for that. And the mechanism of manifestation, in this case, in our N of one, our sample size is only one here, is a universe with planets orbiting stars that have biology that secretes sentience and that then turns around and recognizes its, its nature. Now, this is one mechanism of expression. And so the universe codependently arises as the fireworks, Frank, Atlas, all 8 billion of us, all the planets from a, from a level of whatever is at the very nothingness of things, just like this uh, zero point energy as well, all the way up to the actual fireworking of this Frank Yang costume and a massive codependent substrate doing said, said process. How does that resonate? Well, I, I, it's difficult. I think what to I, put I, I'm trying to. Well, I, yeah, that that is the, that is one way to put it. It's it's like it's like um it's it's like everything from the Big Bang to the Big Crunch is is codependent rising to make every single um thought you have the way it is. Um. Yeah. So yeah. So that's that that, that I actually wrote that down. So I was looking at my notes. Uh, I actually used the word of the Big Bang and the Big Crunch, um, because. Even just every single word that I'm uttering right now, every single breath that I'm taking right now is depending on rising through this infinite webs of causes and conditions. And every single event and phenomenon and sensation within this web is connected to infinite other webs. And but what I want to say is that that's one way to look at it. That's one way to conceptualize it. But I'm I guess I was trying to get down to the the moment uh I was trying to get down to the uh, to the embodied manifestation of the, the embodied experience okay. of that. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Let, let's do that now. Let's do that yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. So that's the difference. The difference is that, that, that that's exactly okay. one one really good way to to visualize it. But then there is also the direct experience of that, which you can't directly perceive the Big Bang or the Big Crunch. You can't. So in the direct experience of it, um, it actually it, the, the the direct experience of dependent origination. That is well. I just I sort of I sort of read it. Uh, what 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 I wrote earlier. It's 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 like every uh, it's it's there there before it was more like the, the the big like one mind thing was just like um you walk in 
you're walking in it, right? And then you're, you're this headless, like, you know, unbounded space and you're walking through the space and you become that space after you, after you identify with the ego and you start to identify with this infinite space and everything's moving through it. And you feel like you're eternal. You feel like you're this ground of being and everything's manifesting out of it. And then after you deconstruct them in that and start to experience the world through this interconnectivity, um, yeah. Then you start to experience the world as sort of like, um, uh, very close to the way that those pictures depict. And then yeah. fr now, now from that place, how does one undergo this process of a spontaneous pure expression? Is it just natural every time that you sort of unite more? This is how it feels like right now for, for me, where I'm at, is that every time I recognize mind essence and empty cognizance, every time I recognize that, every time I feel like the universe and all feels like the universe. Every time that happens, it feels like the expression is pure. And so, okay, you, that's, yeah, that's a good, good. Yeah. It, it feels like, it, it, okay. It, it's rather than just everything is, is kind of like a rising past in a way through this infinite field of eternalism. It's more like every, everything is spontaneous and everything is being created right now. It's not. It's not arising and passing through a background or a source. Is that everything is the everything is already the source itself. There's no more distinction between the source mm -hmm. and the manifestation of. Mm -hmm. Yes, there yes. Is every source yeah, dancing. Yeah. The source yeah, dancing. Yeah, source yeah. dancing. But but first you undergo a process of negating your way to unite with said uh, essence, and then you see. Then you include and see it all as source dancing. Yeah, and then the source dancing, the the, the the rhythm of the source dancing, everything is dependent, dependent arising through with and as each other. So it's it's like it's like moving from like big cosmology to like quantum entanglement. You know how like in our physics, right? Uh, there's there's Newton. Newton's more like this absolutism, like Brahman kind of God, right? And then after Newton, you have like the Einstein's and the quantum mechanics. The Einstein was taking everything to be more relative, right? It's like, oh, no, not, nothing is dependent on this absolute timeless, like gigantic cosmic clock, like Newton said. Everything is sort of relative, right? You change one thing, you change the other. Everything is dependent on rising through each other, right? The time and space is not really like this this thing we, we assume to be the background of experience. Time and space itself is also the same process of Codependent arising, just like consciousness awareness. You take the background out, and then <laughs> you, you go even beyond that and say, "Oh, the, there's this quantum entanglement, quantum mechanic kind of thing, where it, it goes, it breaks down even deeper, and like uh, it's a little even even more um, sort of spontaneous than what Einstein assumed." So I guess that that could be a, a good analogy. Yeah. Okay, so 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 the simultaneity of being both the um, <clears throat> the the universe and also potentially the metaverse when we play with that pure potentiality and also being the most zero point energy this very quantum mechanical fields being that as well the quantum entangled everythingness at the same time and so that that's really interesting to see it at the most Planck level and the cosmic level and merging those that's the you know this whole process of it closing on itself seeing it at the most macro the most micro and this you know you know there's a meso 
level, people forget about the meso because they only go to macro and micro. Meso is like human level. And so that's unit locality where you have I, I think that's exactly what you're talking about. I think I think I think that the, the nothingness, the singularity and the, the, the big crunch and the big bang is the same. You know, the, the, the singularity is infinity. So the everythingness and the nothingness is the same. But then in the middle there's the manifestation of it on the sort of the more actual level. And that's what I mean when I say this the experience of dependent region feels actual. It feels visceral. It's not. It doesn't feel spiritual. Like it that's feels why visceral. Yeah. yeah not spiritual. spiritual. Feels right. visceral. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, 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 yeah. That's why I keep referring back to the, the, the analogy so, of the animal. So I have, a, I have I have a question. I have a question. Yeah. And I know you've been I know you've been talking oh. about it from the perspective of the the animal as well, which I think is yeah. really interesting. My question would be this: <clears throat> It's been written about as like a like a it's like a not so merry-go-round is sort of what it's called um where you're basically like the samadhi bell dung gets hit and all of a sudden you recognize empty cognizance or you recognize yourself as the universe and not your contracted character in it and so what is it like because you just described it as this visceral experience is so what what is that like when it's for you right now, when it's not oh, something that you revisit, something that's not like a samadhi bell that rings a couple times an that's hour. A really good yeah. question. That 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 yeah. that would lead me to the the, the post about um free will and determinism. Um, okay, great. Yeah, it, it sort of feels like in here there is no observing anymore because you if they construct you the observer, and you have to construct and dissolve the thinker. So it, it's not a state you go back and forth to. It's just the way it is happening right now. Like it doesn't feel like you're you're doing it. That's why I said every action yes. feels like the total exertion and the activity and the tapestry of the whole universe through those different links of dependent arising and causes and conditionings. So in in more like the way you can visualize it, I guess is it could be could be could, could be put it this way. Let's say if you eat a grain of you just eat a bowl of rice. You're not just eating the rice. It's, it feels like uh, let's say if I'm eating a bowl of rice and there's like people sitting next to me and there's birds flying around me and there's like wind blowing and then uh, it's like all the different parts are, are working together in like a symphony to make every single bite of the the, the the rice perfect the way it is. It's like this cosmic symphony and everything's playing in tune. And it's like it's not just like you as an observer or as the god mind in this very static kind of eternalism way sitting in the absolute cloud of eternal. Uh, ground of being eating the clouds neither is it just the individual self eating the clouds uh, sorry eating the rice it's like it's, it's this different parts and the different relations interpenetrations that's making this particular action possible so it's both the individual and the universal right and you can also like uh, contemplate how like the the, the the rice is only dependent rising through like the farmer uh or the weed the wheat field you know and the wheat field it's only can only be possible and is rising through the sky the rain the weather and this web of connection goes you know to infinity to infinite potentiality so in, in a sense it's, it's it's it really takes uh not just the center point of the you know of the mitsu out of the equation but the center point of the universe out of the equation um, and it's a, it's a really effort. I think the one word that I could use to describe it is effortlessness, effortlessness and freedom and spontaneity. Yeah. 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 It's not something you have to observe abiding, going back and forth to It's not like a state where there's higher, lower. It's just whatever is manifesting right now. And whatever is manifest right now is always without exception, uh, the process of 
co-arising, co-creation, interpenetration, interdependency, interplay. Um, so, so over time, there's a shift even more from this. What appears to be a, a what appears to be like a samadhi bell that is like gung, and you're like in this empty cognizance. You recognize it, or you recognize yourself as the universe. So there's a shift from this like dung that like happens, and then you're 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 there, and then that sort of becomes more and more of. It's like when you're doing the three pointers, it becomes more and more effortless that that becomes the natural rhythm, the natural. So you shift less and less away from necessarily being the contracted identity and you shift more and more. And then, and then that process even sort of closes the loop on itself where it's just effortlessness, freedom, spontaneity of expression, but purely. I think the most important word that I've realized is purity like purification? Oh, yeah, cool. yeah, like, pristine, like a very pristine, pristine pure. like pure because immediate. I, I, yes, yet, um, you can you can spontaneously express yourself from a place of still separation or ego or identity or lack or needing validation from people, which is all a fair expression of infinity. But the point is, is that if you really want to purify yourself all the way into this abiding essence, repeat repeatedly, it, 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 it almost enables the expression to be more pure. It, it, it enables the expression to be more spontaneously in service. Um, it enables it to have more honor. Like, I don't feel like people come off compassionately after not abiding in the essence of the nature. That's what I'm trying to get at. Um, anyway, cool. So one but of the, the bell yeah. Thing, um, I want to talk Go about ahead. a bell really because this just popped in my head. I think the bell yeah. thing is a really good uh, analogy. It's not just like, oh, the bell rings and then you try to abide in the space where the bell is arising and vanishing to you try to be mindful of the bell. It's not even just that. It's like the bell is, there's no more like bell. It's just like, the, what is the bell? What is the sound of the bell? But the call arising of the person hitting the bell. And then what is the person? The person made up of like infinite number of parts, right? And then the bell, the, the sound of the bell is dependent on all the different factors that the, everybody in the, sitting in the meditation hall, it depends on all of them to manifest the bell and the bell manifests through them. So it's like you are in everybody, everybody's inside you kind of thing, right? The bell is inside everybody, everybody is, is inside the bell. Everything, everybody is inside everything and everything is inside everything, everybody. <laughs> so it's not just that bell, it's not just you being mindful of the bell. It's like the bell is the manifestation of all of these different parts, you know? You know, the, what is the, the instrument that's hitting the bell, the sound, the vibrations. Yes. The air, you know, the sound can't exist without the air. It's that. Yeah, it's all those different parts coming together in a perfect moment. That's why, that's why the, the, after you kind of see through dependent origination, you, you, you sort of lose a sense of control. You start to lose a sense of agency. But paradoxically, there's a lot of freedom in losing a sense of agency. And I guess we can shift into the, the talk about free will versus determinism um, because I think it's related, you know, so would would you say that there's a place of very little will at first and then you regain more and more sovereignty and will and then once you sort of meet 
<clears throat> once you sort of meet this uh, awakening endpoint, you can say there is no more will or choice. So it's go. It's going from uh, no will to unfreezing your will, gaining lots of sovereignty, lots of spiritual mass, and then going back to a place of merging with just infinity where there's uh, no choice again because you're only spontaneously expressing yourself from a compassionate place. That's a, that's a good way to put it. I'll say that first there's a personal will and then there's a universal will. And after that, the universal and the personal merge into one and you don't even think about will or not will anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I would put it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then what now this is, this is another interesting um, <clears throat> way to, to ask you about this, but what, like what is the difference when you're going to this place of essence again it's a separate place right for a for a period of time is you're 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 hitting this bell and going to this place of essence and then expressing from there and then those over time collapse into the same thing um okay but you're becoming more and more thought-free, wakeful. You know, it's written here right now, and I just want to leverage this. It's just that's what it feels like. It feels more and more thought-free, wakeful. But then when something arises, it's arising as what's called like a white thought instead of a black thought, where oh. the white thought is – yeah, where the white thought is like it's it's a – it's it's pure in the sense that it's coming from a place of wanting to serve life or to serve awakening, oh. to be compassionate. Uh, okay, okay. So you're talking about okay. I, I think I, I heard some like a talk or something that distinguishing between like a uh, good and bad desire versus craving. Like you can have good desire and bad desire, like a positive desire and a negative desire, and it, how desire is different from craving. I don't know if that that is what you're talking about. Well, in this. In <clears throat> I guess, I guess you, if you want to bring compassion and service to others to the to the picture, I guess you could say that after you you penetrate through the interdependency and interconnectedness of all beings and all objects, it's impossible not to uh, it's, it's impossible not to manifest compassion. Perfect. Because cool. even the even the things you do for yourself is dependent on like all those different links of of other people and objects. You know what I'm saying? So. So every single action you do and take is the manifestation of compassion in that sense. Once you see through how there is, the, the, there is only the activity of those, the process of, you know, connectivities into penetration. Another way to put it is like, first you're the ego and then you're the Godhead. Even the, you know, the Godhead, you could be sitting in the absolute transcendence and not give a shit about the world. Uh, that's why a lot of people they, they just say the last one in the same picture that the last one you go back to the marketplace, right? I guess that's kind of like how it is. You know, if you just sit in your in your in your crown of nirvana, uh, some people uh, find that to be kind of quite imbalanced. Sort of you just stop giving a fuck about the world versus where you sort of deconstruct even for nirvana, you deconstruct even the godhead, and then you come back down to the world and express this uh, purity of uh, pristine uh, awareness. Where it's not centralized anywhere, there's no observer, there's no thinker, it's just manifestations. Yeah.
you know, like we talked about the Zen uh, ten octane picture before, but I, th I went back and looked at it again yesterday. It's funny because there there is a stage where after emptiness, after the circle, the next picture is there's just a picture of the world, and then in the description it did talk about like the process of co-arising, co independent origination, and then after that you 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 sort of been let go of that. You let go of even that idea, and you just embody so, so, so much. In, so in in essence, you get to the recognition that I am Brahman or I am Tao or I am God, I am infinity, I am nothingness. You get to this recognition, and then you say that that ultimate is the world, and those two are one, and it's done. Is that in essence? Uh, you you could put it like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then the thing is, though, like uh, when 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 after a while, you just sort of stop thinking about you just kind of stop lacing those terms um on top of reality like yeah you you just don't think about like brahmins anymore you just, you just yeah. don't perceive the world through, through like the the lens of any spiritual teachings anymore um the, the, but but the, you still you still get to keep like the experience of it you still you still get to embody the the, the benefit of it but that's what i've been saying is that after a while you let go of even what i talked about earlier you even let go of dependent origination and you even let go of the notes and the links and all that different stuff and it's just this right here um even the whole notion of like no doership or like you know um, you know, awareness of awareness that 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 eventually that all gets dissolved from your mental landscape. Um, yeah. <laughs> so just manifestation, simply this. Yeah. The thing is about the thing. The thing about this is like th it, this is really, really hard to express because when you just tell people it's just the way it is, most people get confused and be like, okay, there's nothing to do. There's no, no, no. There's no uh, realizations to be had. There's no insight to be gained. It's just the way it is right now, right? Well, I'm happy right now, but it's not really like that either. So that's why I distinguish between the the, the real world of the ego world, like what most of we experience, or before awakening, you experience the quote-unquote real world through the separate self. And then there's a spiritual world where you experience the world through this like absolute transcendence, nirvana, godhead. And then there is the actual world. And the actual world is what we, we talked about earlier, how like, you know, everything is dynamic, bouncy, and spontaneous. And that any labels that you try to slap on it is just not it. Yeah. Dynamic, bouncy, spontaneous, no labels. <laughs> is that and then, then it's, it's a, uh, and then up to the point is like, what is, what is the nature of mind? What is the nature of reality? What is the ultimate? That also you let go of. You just stop questioning it. You just yeah. you just you just live life. Yeah. He just lived life. You know what Adia Shante said? He said something that's really fascinating. He said uh, he tell people not to get stuck in enlightenment. <laughs> just get get walk and move on with your life. But he still talks about enlightenment. He still teaches. You can still teach. You can still talk about it. But 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 there there really is a difference between like hijacking realizations and hijacking um, spirituality and then seeing the world through that lens uh, versus uh talking about it purely from the perspective of how you see through it as just more fabrications how there's just more stuff with the mind at the end uh and so you ask the question who am i what is reality you get to the answer and then you help other life get to the answer in their own unique way like you literally yeah. serve life but you don't hijack it with a halo but instead you do it like when when we just had you know daniel ingram on the show 
which we talked about as well, where you basically you're weaving spirituality into the scientific paradigms, clinical trials, biometric correlates of awakening with EEGs and fMRIs and EKGs and all these different uh, ways to put awakening into the mainstream in a sense so people can um, become more coherent with life itself and less a separate contracted energy. Um, yeah. That, that, that all depends on what you want to do afterwards. You know, you like can do whatever you want, but yeah, yeah. it's but, a but really good Ingram. way to express yeah. compassion around mm -hmm. awakening. Yeah. 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 For Dana Ingram, that's his thing. And then for other people, that's their thing. Yeah. yeah. If they want to play basketball afterward, play basketball, yeah. do whatever the fuck exactly. you want to do. Um, exactly. Do whatever yeah. the fuck you want, but just know that if you, if you truly know, if you truly know there was going to be an inclination for you to find a way to serve, oh, of course, to find definitely. a way to serve. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, oh, if for you me, it's, it's doing this, it's doing this right now and you are too. Yeah. yeah. And, but, but we do it through a different sort of, uh, we, we take other things and we try to, we try to inject it with different things. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. I think, I feel like that's, that's pretty much most of what we want to talk about. I've been talking to Zach, by the way. He's running a little bit late for our second um, for our second show that we're going to do. With uh, him. Uh, let's talk about the free will thing. Okay, yeah, go ahead and um, pull that up. Yeah, he's. Uh, okay, I'm just going to read this post. This post because after I have, I have things, I just forget it. All right. So I wrote. Uh, wait, can you, point, can, wait, wait, wait. Can you can you send it to me so I can pull it up on the screen as well? Oh, sure. Uh, should I? Should I um? So the, I I give people some techniques is here also on how to access this. Um. So um. I mean. Yeah. So there there are some exercises in there. I mean, it's pretty simple. But um. Are you gonna send it via? Email, what's up? So I think we did get to the bottom of the question, though, in the beginning. What is the nature of mind? Yeah. It's, it's, it's it, just this. What is the nature of reality of mind? It's just this. Yeah. Just this. Uh, he could be a Jim Newman kind of, kind of guy. I, I like him. I like him. But I'm just saying... Uh, um, there really is nothing more to say about the nature of mind than to say this is this is it right here right now. It's just that simply this. It's, it's just that simply. But it's just that simply this. You have to simultaneously have that while you also have the recognition that like oh I'm gonna go from objects to becoming more subtle meta metacognizing my thoughts. Yeah. You have to go through the, the the process to to really say this is it and really like so fully like quote unquote going back to that word comprehend itself, grok itself. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Reality groks itself or comprehends itself. Yeah. The the the, the, the universe uh, fab into itself. <laughs> yes. All right. Let me see if I can pull it up. Did you send it? Yep. So I guess this could sum up a lot of stuff that we talked about earlier. Um, I'm going to read it, ready? So at wait, some wait. point... 
wait, 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 wait. You said, did you send it via email? I want, yeah, I, I wanted to pull it up on the screen for people. Oh, so they could read. okay. That's what okay, I mean. Okay. So they could read along with it. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Did you, you did send it? Uh-huh. Oh, still haven't gotten it yet. Well, so I guess you, I guess you could say that the nature of reality or the nature of mind can only be accessed fully when the character drops his desire or inclination to understand the nature of reality and the nature of mind. That's yeah. another paradox. That's another paradox. <laughs> I love that one. I That's love that one. That's a good one. That's so good it's not one. like I'm discounting all the talks about the nature of mind. It's that. You have to like climb the mountain and then throw it. You have to climb the ladder and throw it away. You climb the ladder and throw it away. The ladder is still important. And if you want to help other people recognize it, you have to throw in the ladder. You can't just be like, uh, there's no ladder. That's why, I, that's why, even though I love Jim Newman, I think his method is too extreme for most people. Like, uh, unless you're there already, it's hard to understand what he's talking about. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. <laughs> then <laughs> then realize there was no climbing anywhere <laughs> there's no climbing there's no climber there's no ladder but yeah remember what we talked about at the same time there is hey yeah at the same time there is yeah that's so yeah. great okay yeah, same time let me see if it came through it still hasn't come through bro that's oh, weird bro are you sending it from your iCloud email because i feel like that has right. issues sometimes. Right, so, okay, I sent it. I'm I'm sending it again. There. Okay, I sent it. Oh, dude, I can't have. I can't wait to have Zach on. It's gonna be. Is oh, I just got it. Perfect. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, I'm on, me, it, right? Wait, wait, wait. Let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, I need Once to get that, almost there. Almost there. Where are we at? Very good. Sorry, Pied. So yeah, we could discuss like pretty well. All right. Shit. Okay, I got it. I got it. Hold on, and okay. one sec, one sec, <clears throat> and one sec, one sec, one sec. Let me switch this to um to this, and then oh, that's the wrong one. Oh, that's so fun. It's hella trippy. Um, we got to do this actually instead. It's this one over here. There we go. Okay. All right. And all right. There it is. And now let me zoom in a little and scroll over to the side. Okay. Now. Oh, now people, now people, yeah. Now people can read along. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're here. So at some point in your journey, you're going to lose all sense of agency. The personal will will be replaced by the universal will, but they're ultimately the same because part constant whole and vice versa. So when you untie the knot of perception and lose the vintage point in the center, the doer, controller, along with the seer, the hearer, thinker, perceiver, nor will also vanish. So it feels a bit like, quote unquote, you as a separate self cannot make a decision, but every thought and movement is the total exertion and the activities of the entire universe. How can the self... Uh, does or think anything at all if you cannot even locate it. Ha ha ha. <laughs> rather, than, 
As if on the holistic, your moment-to-moment experience becomes extremely empowering and liberating. Liberating. Permanent flow that transcends the temporary experience of being in the zone because it's not a peak experience, right? So life goes on simply unfolding as it is. You'll probably do the same thing you've always done, but not always. Uh, but without the quote-unquote doers slowing everything down, things become much more efficient and effortless. It's kind of like when you uh, deconstruct the seer and the and the and the hearer, the sounds just hear themselves, right? The the perception just appears, and there's no filter between the seer and the scene, the seer, uh, the hearer and the heard. So yeah, things are just quicker. I don't know. When you work out, you get tired. That's why I go into the body. So as your body mind becomes air, the violin plays itself without the player while writing this, the phone types itself. While walking, the whole world is turning your legs and vice versa. So while lifting, the Misu doesn't get tired because the entire world is your body and every rat feels like every part of the cosmos is working together, flexing itself to move the weight. Uh, yeah, some tradition call this the Dharma body or the Dharmakaya. So I call it the cosmic octopus. Um, because like the, uh, the the manifestation of the realization is visceral, actual, and sensual and immediate rather than conceptual or imaginary. So when eating is the entire universe eating, when shitting is the universe shitting, and every no from the cosmic symphony, from the big bang to the big crunch is perfectly in tune to make every breath and every sensation precise the way it is, all interpenetration in perfect harmony. Turning the head or lifting the arm, one can perceive the intention and the thoughts preceding the movements, arising and vanishing all on their own volition, indistinguishable from the forming of the clouds, the movement of other people, birds flying, wind blowing, sounds of the traffic, cars driving. The could have, should have, would have, would be completely erased from your mental landscape. Even imperfections are perfect. But there was a study where neuroscientists asked participants to push a button whenever they feel like it or they're inclined to do so. The signals of pushing a button already started at the quote unquote subconscious level before they consciously decided to do it. You can actually perceive and experience this in real time when you abide in the still point of true nature, that fill in the blank that manifests all of existence. And since there's nothing but manifestation and no distinction between background and foreground, everything is fill in the blank and there's nothing to abiding. As an exercise, try to do anything intentionally. You'll see that you can't make anything happen that isn't already happening by itself. Any sense of a quote-unquote you controlling nature's intelli intelligence is like, uh, it's absurd. It's like believing in Santa Claus. Even the thought or the feeling of quote-unquote I am in control is an afterthought, a conceptual layover that is also happening by itself through the force of nature. As an exercise, sit down and watch your breath, thoughts, or even scan the body, and you'll see that how all these sensations are not just aware of themselves and happening on their own, and it's the doing of the universe. But see, even the intention of paying attention to that or direct attention to anything at all is happening on its own is the doing of the universe. Even the awareness of that is happening on its own is the doing of the universe. So you're basically vipassionalizing, not just the vipassionalizer, but the vipassionalizing itself. So you vipassionalize the vipassionalizer and the vipassionalizing. So you sneak up on any cluster of sensation that feels like it's quote unquote in control of another cluster of sensation, then you sneak up on that, which is doing the sneaking and then on and on and on. So you keep going meta, just like your self-inquiry, uh, until the circuit closes on itself and there's no more duality between subject and object and there's no more going meta. So there's no more like mirror, there's no more screen, no more meta cognition at this point. So as, as, as another exercise, stop before you perform a task, very mundane task, like turning the doorknob. See if you can catch the intention and the thoughts that signal in this action way before that, not way before, but like before you start to turn the doorknob. You can, you can actually perceive that, it's really crazy. With this realization, it wouldn't occur to you whether there's free will or not free will, because uh, 
that only belongs to a dualistic mind, right? It would never occur to you to nature or the universe whether it's free or not. Reality is neither predetermined nor random, but cause the conditions of the cosmos. Since nothing is solid, there are no nodes, only links of interdependency and connectivity. And on the ultimate level, even the links are empty. So there are no cause and effects, only spontaneity and simultaneity. Because time and space also don't exist apart from the process of cause and condition on the relative level. You can truly glimpse, you can only truly glimpse the above after you reach the stage five of my map of awakening, after realizing true self of no self, by deconstructing both the ego and awareness, and then penetrate further into dependent origination by smashing the Godhead into a billion pieces. And then you let that go even. So everything, everyone is inside you, you are inside everything, everyone. That's unilocality. So experiencing this quantum entanglement in real time, the operating system is upgraded from the universal consciousness phase, which paradoxically cannot be experienced even more deeply. Your moment-to-moment -moment experience becomes a pristine, bouncy, luminous fairy tale. If everything's happening by itself, then nothing is happening by itself. Ultimately, any spiritual notions like awareness of awareness, no doership, or even consciousness will completely be erased and disappear from your mental landscape. So the summing of the heart sutra again, there is no body, no mind, no consciousness, no world, no self, no free will. Yet at the same time, there is a body, a mind, pure consciousness, there is a self, a world, and free will. So in total unity, one can experience one or the other, both and or neither, that is all. Okay. That is my little PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> oh, see, you guys talk about basketball? It's the NBA Finals, bro. Mm hmm So... So would you say that that post Zach's calling? Should we take a break and bring him on? Uh, we can we can we can continue to talk about the, uh, my input, my interface, and everything. I will be ready to roll. Okay, great. Frank and I are. Uh, we'll be ready in a little bit as well on our end. So I'll send you a link. Here oh, bro. We should talk about basketball when he's on because then we can tie into the real world. Perfect. Perfect. I'm going to send you um, a message in a moment with the link. We're so jacked. We're so jacked. All right. I'll send you a message with the link in a moment. All right. Once, okay. Okay. I think we can end it here. I mean, that, that post pretty much covered so right. yeah. what we talked about. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Excellent. Excellent. All right. All right. Bye. I, mean, I think our session could end here because I think the post that I just read pretty much summarized everything we talked about in a more like uh, uh, organized manner. So. I agree. And would you say that the essence of it is dependent origination? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say the essence of it. I, I mean, dependent origin is Buddha's last insight. That was the insight he had uh, before his his final enlightenment, his his final awakening, uh, dependent origination. Why and is there you know, suffering? You know, and you know what's fascinating about dependent you, you know what's fascinating about dependent origination is the first link of dependent origination, which is do you know mind essence? I love that. Yes, yes, exactly. if, you, if you don't know mind essence, then that creates all of the dependent origination around ignorance being expression. But the, 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 that's also basically that the, the mind essence is also part of this 
loop. It's not like the my essence gives rise to this all those webs. It's the, it's part of the web. That's that's the Buddha's insight. But so, where but where is your expression for where is the first link of your expression is do you know the nature of mind or not? You have because, to know that first. Yes. 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 If you because the first yes. link is if you sure. know the nature of mind, it's a yes. pure Yes. expression if you don't know the nature of mind it's going to be contracted egoic acceptance. yes so, so exactly so you have to that's why the, the steps you have to abide in the one mind first the i amness before you can penetrate it depending on origination and the funny thing is though the uh that you said that because um so basically what is suffering is also dependent rising right suffering is only dependent on the object of suffering and the object of suffering is only dependent on the perception a perception is dependent on intention intention is dependent on consciousness and the consciousness is also dependent on the the the, the, the suffering the object and all the other links right so yeah frank i adore you brother wait a second i got one more thing to You're say amazing. last thing last thing yes. last thing so some people are going to be like wait but what's perceiving all this dependent origination right yes. right and then but then people like dana ingram or a certain uh, practitioners of certain traditions that come out and say, what about a secession? When consciousness disappears, you go into unconsciousness. Isn't unconsciousness and consciousness existence and non-existence also codependent arising through each other? That's why I say enlightenment or the absolute is the merging and the transcendence of both being and non-being, absolute infinity and absolute nothingness. Going back to your little uh, illustration. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful, bro. Next time we should switch shirts, bro. You should wear. I, you should I wear love it. you so much, Frank Yang. Everyone, the fucking OG, straight up, the fucking <laughs> the fucking polymath, fucking synthesizing across all these different traditions, going through all these different jhanas and understanding the nature, and also being an absolute normie, dissolving his halo. Fucking dope, bro. I love you so much. You're lit. I'm so pumped to create with you more. Fucking G, bro. You're the fucking G. I love you too, Alice. Love you, brother. Love you, love we you. We have another thing. We have a next episode. We do. So we, we have a next episode. Yeah, we love threesome, threesome. Threesome with threesome, Zach Marlowe, baby. We are. We're going to take a break. I love you, everyone. Thank you so much for I love tuning everybody. in. Thank you, Alice. You for guys are. <laughs> Dude, I think next time you should bring like like basketball players or bodybuilders. Yeah, actually, that's something we're gonna talk about with Zach on the show is uh, yeah. how Zach how to tro how to Trojan horse spirituality into the mainstream. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I love I love I love you all. Thank you for all your wonderful comments and um and kindness and thank you for watching and. Um, check out the links in the bio below to Frank's Instagram, also Frank's YouTube channel. He's got so much great content on there. Go and subscribe, check it out. Give him a follow on IG as well. He posts so many good captions down there under his posts. And also um, subscribe to Simulation if you haven't yet. Also leave us a comment below with your thoughts on the episode. We'd love to hear from you. Like the video as well and share it with other people that you feel like it would positively influence. Go through this practice of understanding my nature more and more and share that with your friends. Get pumped about understanding my nature and also simply this simultaneously. And that is all. Um, that's all. We'll probably come back with an episode five in a couple of months, maybe in the uh, in the fall. You'll see us come back together again, and um, we'll be 
potentially even making more content together um, in the winter that's maybe even around master classes around this. So we're really excited for that and uh, infinite love for you guys. And we will talk to you soon. We okay. Any broadcast. <laughs>